You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, this is Jim Simcoe. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Mark Haskell-Smith, my favorite author. This guy is fantastic. He is as cool of a person as he is an author. I'm really excited to have him on the show today. So check him out. Uh, check out the podcast. Okay, we'll start right now. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Podcast. I cannot tell you how excited I am today for our guest today, Mark Haskell-Smith. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. It is a oh, yeah. pleasure. No, no, it's uh, I'm excited to be on. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, uh, for those of you listening to me, Mark Haskell Smith is the greatest living writer, um, <laughs> greatest author since Hemingway, quite honestly. So I think to me, there's you, then there's hmm, 500 miles, then Christopher Buckley, and then everybody else. So it, it's it's awesome. Your books are fantastic. They're just fantastic. If anyone who's um, uh, read any of Mark's stuff, I think you would agree to my favorite book actually in the world is probably Baked. So that's uh, one of, I think it was your fourth book. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that tells me something about you right there. <laughs> yeah. I thought, the funny thing is, is I don't smoke marijuana, but it's still the best book. One of, you know, the best book I've ever, I've ever read. It's, it's fantastic. So we'll get on to that. So I wanted to have Mark on the, on the show today to talk about epic living. And because he's such, you know, because I think you are, again, the greatest author out there. And so unique and so, so interesting and fascinating. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. And, um, and your new book, which I just picked up, is fantastic. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that? It's called, I know it's called uh, Naked at Lunch, but what's, what's the deal with this one? It's called Naked at Lunch, A Reluctant Nudist's Adventures in the Clothing Optional World. And, <laughs> and, and it's basically all you need to know. I, I was curious what nudists, you know, who they were and what they did and why did they do it. And, and I started looking into it and there's, I found a whole world of, of naked people. Like there's cities in France and Spain where everyone's naked. You know, they grocery shop naked. They go to the bank naked. And, and so I just was like, okay, let's just try it. So I just, you know, I'm not a nudist. I'd, I'd never done anything like this before, but I just, you know, dropped trow and uh, went, <laughs> went and checked it out. Right. Now, now there's a, I won't give it away, but there's a part in the book where you talk about being on um, the, the largest naked cruise that's, I think it's held once a year or whatever. And it's just, it's laugh out loud funny. Like people, I was reading it and, and someone in my office was like, what are you laughing about? What is so funny? You know? and it's it's kind of hard to explain. Can you talk about that part a little bit? What, what that experience was like? Yeah, there's, there's, it's basically you're on a luxury cruise ship. It was like a Holland American line and there were 2000 nudists uh, cruising the Caribbean um, obviously, you have to put on clothes when you go go into a port, but but basically, once the boat's at sea, everyone is naked everywhere, you know, all the time, doing all the things they do on those boats. Like they're, you know, bands and people are dancing. They have concerts. They have a casino. They have a movie theater. They have all kinds of restaurants and bars and ping pong tournaments, and and everyone's naked. Yeah. The, I, I, <laughs> I won't give it away, but the part where you talk about yoga, I think is just is, is, is one of the funniest things I've ever read. It's just so fantastic. It's so great. Um, okay, so so here's what I so every time I have someone on this show, I want to ask them some questions. So obviously, um, you know, I want to get into your your writing and how you got into it a little bit. But first, you know, what's your background? Where did you grow up? Tell me, tell me some of your you know your music that you like, movies that you like, favorite authors. 
give us give us the Mark Haskell Smith edited brief version of you. Edited version? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Kansas City, um, uh, which is a uh, nice place to grow up. And right. since I was 17, I left and, <laughs> and I never went back. Did you it's, come straight to LA? No, I went to a college in uh, Washington State, a little college called Evergreen. Oh, and cool. then, uh, from there, I lived in Seattle uh, for about four years, and I, I had a band. You uh, did? Yeah. All right, hold on. We have to talk about this for a few minutes. What What did you play, and what kind of music? Uh, we're sort of that uh, post-punk, uh, annoying disco. Um, and I played guitar, and I and I yelled a lot. Apparently, I was mad about stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, That's yeah. cool. We, we played with bands like Gang of Four and Bow Wow Wow and Duran Duran. We did some of their support, you know, we did support shows for them. And Wow, that, that's and, cool. Yeah, it was fun. And then after a while, uh, you know, I realized I, I was not going to be able to make a career out of it. So I uh, uh, went to graduate school and that's what brought me to L.A. to go to the American Film Institute. Now, had you been writing before then at all? I know you wrote some screen, uh, screenplays in L.A., but had you, were you writing before that? Uh, I wrote some little stuff like, uh, there was a magazine in Seattle called the rocket, which is, uh, kind of like the LA weekly or okay. magazines. And, um, I would do some record reviews and, and I was kind of like for a while trying to be their, their sports reporter, right? So, which was just a way to get into like Seahawks and Mariners games for free, which is uh, a genius move. Nothing yeah, at all. It's no. kind of all right. And, uh, but yeah, but I never had never really, I didn't know any writers and I didn't really know, you know, how you did it, right? right. What you needed to do or, or what it was. So, I mean, I was an avid reader and I always liked to read uh, books. Um, and I think that was, that was sort of the groundwork. I read, you know, obsessively. Okay. And then, so did you, so this is interesting. So one of the things we always talk about is people taking risks and doing stuff that they're not necessarily comfortable with and just kind of taking the leap is that kind of what your experience was when you got to la did you did, did you have a tipping point or an aha moment where you're just like oh i'm going to be a writer or did it just kind of happen organically it, it kind of happened organically there was this i came to la and to go to film school i was you know i was going to be a film director right but okay. i was accepted as a cinematographer into the program and so i was there and i was learning about cameras and lighting and all this stuff which was fascinating and 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 I'm glad I did it, but I noticed all my friends who were writers were having a lot more fun. <laughs> and, 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 and I went and I saw these plays by Joe Orton, who's, I don't, I don't know if many people know him here in the, in the States, but he was a very famous um, writer of satires and comedies in the 60s. He even like wrote a screenplay for a movie for the Beatles that never got made, huh. who was you know, subsequently, you know, murdered by his boyfriend. Oh, uh, that's horrible. Yeah, that was horrible. But his plays are so funny. And I just thought, I want to do that. I saw his plays. And I was like, I want to be involved in the theater somehow or, or, and, and write these funny plays. And, um, so then I moved to New York city and I went to, um, Pl playwrights horizons, which has a playwriting school workshop kind of thing. Um, and I was there for a couple of years and I, and I wrote, uh, some plays and then these people in LA who I'd met, um, liked them. And then all of a sudden one was optioned by a producer and they were like, you have to move back. <laughs> so then I moved back. 
LA. <laughs> Were you living in the city? I I was. I was uh, on the Upper West Side. Nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's good. I mean, I've lived in LA and New York, and, and God, there's just you know completely different worlds. But it, I think it's for any kind of any kind of meaningful life. It's kind of those are two cities that I would say would be fantastic to live in because there's such they're so different. You know, New York, you never drive, and in LA, you have to drive just to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's, I know. I mean, there are things, well, you know, this was like the late 80s. Um, there were things about living in New York that was just great. But I go back there now and it's like, you know, you go to the store and it's $4 for a roll of toilet paper. I'm just like, I don't know how people afford to I, live there. I don't. I think you just <clears throat> I think you just have to have cash on you nonstop in New York because it's the same thing. Because I, when I went to school in New York, I went to school right outside New York City. And it was late 80s, early 90s. And we would go into the city and see shows and see the Chili Peppers and uh, Bad Brains and kind of like some other punk shows. And, you know, you could go you could go in with 25 bucks and be totally fine. Get in, have a couple of drinks, go to a show and come back. And now you can't, you know, you couldn't park for $25 for an hour in the city. Well, the cocktail costs $25. Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. So tell me, tell me, because, you know, curious about this stuff what's your favorite kind of music or your favorite kind of movies uh you know with music i uh i i go through phases like um you know what when i was younger obviously i was really influenced by the sex pistols and talking heads and all that and and then i went through a phase where i really liked reggae music and i, I have nice. to say i still i still do but i like all kinds of music I, i'm i'm well, I have to, with one exception, I don't really like jazz and I'm trying now. I listen to the jazz station. I'm trying to develop an appreciation for it. And I have to say, sometimes it's great to be driving through LA traffic, listening to some sort of like chilled out jazz. It's right. It's kind of nice. So I'm developing a taste for it, but I, I, I listen widely. I like a lot of different stuff. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I would say jazz would not be my favorite jazz and country are the two things that like if they're on and there's literally nothing else and I'm trapped in a room and I can't get to the control, then yeah, that I can listen to them and be okay. But usually it would not be my, my, my first topics or my first tries. What see, country uh, music, the, the lyrics in country music are so goofy. The stories are so funny that, that I, I, I mean, I can't don't, it's not like I own any country records, but right. if I'm driving across country and I hit a country station, I will listen to it because just because the songs are so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, that's actually a good point. I think something to keep in mind. So what about favorite movies? What are some of your favorite movies? Um, it's funny. I, you know, I really don't like a lot of Hollywood movies. Um, when I was actually one of my big inspirations and influences were um, the German filmmakers from the seventies, like uh, Her Werner Herzog and uh, Fassbender and Wim Wenders. Okay. I just love those movies and that made me want to make movies. And that's like, what, like Das Boot. Yeah. Das Boot is good, but, but more like, uh, you know, the enigma of Casper Hauser or Wim Vendor's the American friend or, uh, you know, Mer uh, the marriage of Maria Brown. There's all these, you know, these, those guys were just churning out. There's like, you know, they were putting out a couple movies a year, each of them. Right. And, and it was a very sort of prolific, time for german cinema and, and not that i speak german or i'm not interested in germany but um the movies really spoke to me on some level and inspired me and that's and cool. uh, that's yeah cool. 
And lately, like I've been watching all the I've been watching all the Oscar screeners because my uh, next door neighbor's in the Academy, so he lends them to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I have to say they all are kind of not that great, except I saw one called Youth by an Italian director named Paolo Sorrentino. And it just, it was really, my wife and I watched it together and it got to the end and we were both in tears. Right. And, and she just said, can we watch it again? And I said, yeah, let's just watch it again. And and I don't think I've done that since college. Wow. That's so cool. That's so it was cool. Really movie michael kane and harvey keitel are in it and it's just beautiful you can't go wrong with harvey keitel that guy to me can't make a bad movie he could try but he just i don't think i've ever seen something he's been in where it's been bad he's just he's entrancing to watch and this i think is his best performance i've ever seen really okay what is the name of it again it's called youth just called youth all right i'll put i'll put it this in the show notes for everybody too because i know that uh people want to know that um Okay, cool. So one of the other, one of the other questions, and you've sort of alluded to it a little bit, is um, your journey from high school to now. So when you were in high school, what did you think you wanted to be? What were you thinking? Like, what path did you think your life was going to take at that moment during those times? Because because I, I really and I should preface this by saying that I I feel like so much of our growth happens in high school from when you're you know you go into high school when you're fourteen. And you come out when you're 18. And I think that four years is just a magical time period for people. So I'm curious to see what you thought you were going to be versus what, you know, kind of where you are now. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I read, I had a, one of my best friends in high school's mom was the manager of like a, like a Barnes and Noble. Okay. Uh, and so we read a lot of books and we were always sort of like, you know, when looking back, I think we had some sort of like, you know, hipster book club going on. Right. Um, but I, I think really all I wanted to do mm. in high school was get laid. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think nice. I had any ambitions. <laughs> this is great. I maybe to get to Kansas City as soon as I could. You yeah, know? I, uh, sure. And I have to say, I succeeded at both those things. Yeah, that's pretty good. Good. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a, now that I think about it, it's not the, just about everyone's going to have that answer if they really answer it honestly. Because I'm thinking about my high school experience. That was pretty much it. My, <laughs> my goal was to get laid, play lacrosse, go to college so I could play more lacrosse and get laid more. That, that right. was like, yeah, that was, it was very, very, very simple time. Very, very simple yeah. time. All right, cool. You know, human, human desires are, you know, explain a lot. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah they sure do. They sure do. Um, okay, along those lines. So tell me what your why is. So why do you do what you do? What inspires you about the work that you create? Cause it's clear that you're passionate about it and you, you know, for one of the things I love about your work uh, without sounding like a complete, you know, ridiculous fan is that I just think the characters that you develop and the depth of characters that you have in your books is just amazing. And, and I feel like that's not something that could come easy to a lot of people. I think you have to re- really be true truly passionate about what you're doing so why do you do it like why do you do what you do well you know the easy answer is that it's it's never boring it's always interesting and it's always a challenge but um for me the stuff that really inspires me is just like uh kind of the breadth and depth of human emotion and human behavior i mean like the desires we were just talking about that drive people Mm -hmm. And, and also i think there's a there's a theme that I'm interested in, which is, which is, you know, identity, like, like 
I, I actually thought after after I'd written a couple of books, someone mentioned to me like I, every all your books are about people who transform their identities, right? Uh, you know, and I thought, well, yeah, I grew up. You know, my name's Mark Smith. I grew up in Kansas. I my I have the most <laughs> boring, you know, identity you could have. So. I think in some ways these characters and these different situations and how people's lives are transformed in the, in the stories are just, I'm just exploring those kind of facets of what people do. And, and, and I think the, the fun part for me is, and something that I have to remind myself like every day is to just be a, awake and alert to how people are, how pe- other people live in the world and how they interact and, and just be observant of that because there's so much richness and beauty, sadness and laughter. You know, it's everything. It's life. And I just try to try to have my antenna up on it and particularly for the weird stuff. Right. And, and you live in L.A., so I'm assuming you see a lot of that on a pretty regular basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have to, you know, when you're a writer, you tend to spend a lot of time like in your house. And I have to make sure I go out in the world and do stuff and and engage with people right Um, right right. yeah so what would you say you like along those lines what do you what would you like what do you like most about being an author and what do you like least about it what's or tell me the least part first what's the hardest part about being an author well sometimes uh, uh, you know the hard part about being an author is getting people to find out about your books you know like when you look at sort of how the book world works or how you know I guess media works is, you know, there's like 10 people talking about the same 10 people and they all live in Brooklyn. And, you know, unless you're a celebrity, it's very hard for people to discover your book. So that, so it's, I guess it's not my least favorite, but it's, it's frustrating and it's a constant, you know, thing that you have to do is try to keep reaching out, get people. Because once people find my books, uh, they're like you. They really like them and they read all of them. Right. Um, so it's just, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a publisher who like totally likes what I do. They believe in me. And they're like, you know, you just keep writing the books. We'll find the readers. It may take a while. Don't worry about it. Right. We don't care if you're a bestseller mm-hmm. or not. We like what you do. Um, so I'm really lucky. Um, so that, that, that is probably the, the least fun part because you do a lot of stuff on, so you spend hours on social media, you know, and it's kind of, I don't, I, I sometimes wonder what the point of it all is. Yeah, sometimes I wonder that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still do it though. And I'm always like, is anyone listening? Is anyone listening? And then I'll get it like a retreat and I'm like, Oh, cool. Someone listened. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? And, and the other thing is, I mean, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that my books are for everyone, right? You know, because only okay. the smart, good-looking, smart, only the smart, good-looking, cool people, Mark. <laughs> only the sexy people. Right? Only the sexy people. <laughs> so, because, what, do you, you know, what do you like? Can, Go ahead. No, I'm sorry, God, I cut you off. Well, I was just going to say, you know, people, you know, are offended sometimes offended by it, but <laughs> my attitude is like, you know, no one's offended by cottage cheese, but no one's that excited about cottage cheese either. So, I'm just going to write books that I like that I hope other people like and uh you know take it from there yeah i think it's great you know it's funny what's funny about your books i feel the same i feel the same way about your books that i feel about the red hot chili peppers who have been my favorite band for the you know for the last 20 years the very first book i read of of yours was raw and i got about 10 pages in and i was like okay this guy this is my guy like i'm gonna read all (laughs) the stuff 
I love it. And, and it's the same thing. Like I remember the very first Chili Peppers album I listened to and it was, you know, I got one, you know, one or two songs in it. It was like, this is my group. This is, this, you know, that there was life before the Chili Peppers and there's life after the Chili Peppers. Just like, right. you know, uh, from a literary sense, there's life before Mark Haskell Smith and life afterwards. So it's, it's awesome. So tell me, all right. So along those lines, tell me, what do you like? What do you like most about it? Um, you know, that, you know, like I said before, it's never boring. It's always interesting. And you're always challenging yourself to like get out of your comfort zone, to grow as a, as a person, as an artist. Um, so while it can sometimes be like demanding in that way, or maybe I'm just demanding on myself, but it's never boring. I mean, I'm, you know, not bored for a minute. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. That's epic right there. That's epic. That's epic. Yeah. I have a, um, I'm going to wait a couple of questions, but I have a, pat, or a quote from you that I want to say, you know, repeat <laughs> back to you and see, get your thoughts on it. Cause I love it. But, um, all right. So who would you say your heroes are and why? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I was thinking about that and I realized I have a lot of heroes, but, and they were all like people who are kind of iconoclastic who do their own thing. They don't, they don't really pander, you know, they're just, you know, and, and whether it's just it's someone who's like, you know, this guy in L.A. who has a taco truck who makes he used to be a chef at a fancy French restaurant. And he's <laughs> like, oh, I want to make tacos. And he makes these most amazing tacos. And but they're not for everyone. And they're not like, you know, like what other people are used to eating in tacos and or like, you know, Pedro Almodovar, you know, the, the Spanish filmmaker, he, he just does his own thing. I, and I really look up to that and, or the eels or even the chili peppers, they just did their own thing. And, and you got to respect that. And, and, and that, those are the people who I, I look up to and go like, yeah, I'm just trying to do my own thing here. You know? Yeah. There's some, there's a, to me, and I appreciate you saying that to me, there's, there's a beauty in the people who are able to just say, fuck it and just do their own thing. Like whether it's the, you know, like chili peppers are a great example. They just, they just went and did their own thing. Very similar to kind of how someone like me reads, reads your books. Um, you can tell that you're, you're not pandering in your books. Like you're not trying to please everybody. Like you were kind of saying before. And it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're okay. If some people are offended by your books or don't like it because there's going to be a whole nother class of people like me who just love your stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm trying to reach uh, a smaller group of people deeply than rather than reach a vast audience superficially. Right. 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 Which, which unfortunately, if you go into most bookstores, most books are trying to do the other thing. They're trying to get yeah. as, as many people to buy it. And, and most of the, unfortunately, most of the shit out there is kind of crap. You know I mean? I, I read all the time and I, you know, if they, I almost stopped reading business books largely just because they all kind of say the same thing. Like every single one of them says the exact same thing, just with different stories and different anecdotes and maybe in a different way, but it's the same speech over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of a bummer. And I don't know if it's cause like we're sort of dumbing down as a society or what the deal is. But um, so when I find an inch, you know, when I find a book that's interesting, I'm just kind of blown away by it. So yeah, well, there's a, no, but that's the thing. It's the, just, there are actually a lot of books that are really interesting, but they're not, the, they're the discovering them is what's hard to do. They're not, you know, the one, the obvious bestsellers that entertainment weekly is talking about or whatever, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Which is, which is, which is something we've, um, 
my wife and I have talked about before about the Oscars and the Grammys when you see those those large groups and the movies or the music that wins most of the time it's not stuff that we would we would get into either and we always talk about it and I was like well obviously I mean look at the people who are judging that you know they want mainstream stuff and we're not really mainstream you know we're not really mainstream people so it's not something that right. it's gonna appeal to us like I remember the year that Titanic beat Goodwill Hunting for uh you know picture of the year or whatever and you know I'm from Boston and I know you know I used to live kind of near that area so for me, Good, Good Will Hunting is one of the best movies ever made. And it was made in like on a three, $3 million budget. And, and, and I think it's, you know, I think it's awesome. And Titanic right. was this big, sprawling movie, hundred million dollar budget or whatever it was. And it won, you know, cinematography. The story's decent. Not, it's not like it's a bad story. But to me, like Good Will Hunting kicked the shit out of the story, you know, could kick the shit out of that story. But it didn't win because it wasn't, you know, it didn't have the press or whatever else. So just interesting when you look at those big groups and, and the movies that are winning or the books that get sold and, and really what's good and what's not good. Yeah. I mean, are those award shows and even awards in the book world are, those are like commercials for corporations, you know, right. who have their product and they want their product to win an award. Like, you know, Betty Crocker wins the best chocolate cake mix award, you know, or whatever. Right, 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 right. You know, <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> so tell me, how would you, define an epic life? Well, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's for me anyway, it's, it's when you're kind of like fully appreciative of like this, you know, the Buddhists would say you, you have this sort of like, like having a human rebirth is really rare, right? You have right. this rare human mm-hmm. life. Because you didn't come back as a turtle or an ant or whatever, and and not that I believe in reincarnation, but I do believe that it is you should need to take advantage and really appreciate your time here because it is short. And um, so for me, an epic life is when you're like fully like alive to your senses and and kind of grateful of your opportunity, and then you do you do stuff that is like in some ways gives back to everyone else. You know, it's not a, you know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's someone who's selfish would be living an epic life. Right. So I think being generous and grateful and just kind of fully embracing it and, and really, you know, I don't know it's going to sound corny, but you know, you just got to go for it. Just got to like, you know, not, not let, that's why, you know, was I happy to write a book about nudists? No, but I wasn't going to chicken out. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so you just go for it, and then you end up going like, "Oh, wait, this, there's something here, and these people are super friendly, or you know, whatever." And it's, you know, you just get out of your shell and go see what the world has to offer because it's got so much to offer. Right. So I'm going to read you a quote that you wrote in this book, and this to me, I just thought was just it just is so cool. It's just so cool that you said it. So this is what you said. You said. I find as much or more happiness in a good cup of coffee or a fresh mango or a walk in the park as some people feel when they make a lot of money or their team wins the championship. Simple pleasure is underrated, which I think speaks to kind of what you're talking about. I just think it's yeah. such, a, such a cool thing. And it's like, you know, I think such a big part of an epic life is really appreciating what's happening around, around you. And so many people, myself included, you're just rushing from thing to thing to thing. And you don't get a chance to look, you know, or you don't think to look up at the sky and say, wow, that's a cool cloud. 
or drive by the ocean and actually look at it or spend time in it or enjoy a really good fish taco. You know, like I had yeah. fish tacos for lunch today and I was like, wow, these tacos are really good. You know, cause you just, you know, a lot of times we don't appreciate that. So uh, man, a good fish taco is so good. It's I, such a good thing. I know. I told my wife that you said on Twitter when I, when we were tweeting back and forth, you said, you know, number 13 on my list of how to make uh, life epic for the year was fish tacos and she's like oh cool he likes mexican food she's like you better not you better not tell him you don't like mexican food and you only like you only like fish tacos which is kind of funny because I, <laughs> I live in southern california and i don't like mexican food but i love fish tacos uh, yep yeah um okay so that makes sense so what would you what would you say you know i only have fuck, uh, a couple more questions for you but what would you tell the 30 year old 30 year old version of yourself if you could go back in time or if you could go back in time and talk to the younger version of yourself what would you say to him Oh, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And I wish I could do that because I would tell that person, well, one, I was a new dad, which was great. And I would have told the 30 year old me like really enjoyed the time with your kids because they grow up really fast. It's kind of a cliche, but they do. Um, but I would have said what kind of what we've been talking about is do your own thing. Cause I spent so much time, you know, writing for, I spent 16 years writing for Hollywood and writing movies that other people wanted to make and other that were other people's, I don't know if they were their passion projects. Some of them were just, you know, work for hire. But I wish I had told myself, you know, don't do that. You're going to waste like 16 years when you could be writing something just for you that will ultimately be an expression of what you think and what you feel and how you see the world. And, and be like, you know, I, I would have been like some sort of hipster making his own book somewhere, but right. that's okay. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, and how would you think, I mean, what would, and here's another question along those lines. What do you think the 30 year old version of you would think of you now? Oh, I, I think the 30 year old version of me would say, wow, uh, you know, you've actually done a lot of stuff. Like I, I, I mean, I've done a lot of interesting stuff and I've traveled to a lot of really interesting places that I never thought I would ever go to, um, you know, whether it was being in the Amazon working on a movie uh, or uh, or hiking the Austrian Alps with a bunch of nudists. I mean, I've just, you know, I've just, or, ta you know, taking my kids to Thailand, you know, I've just done things that I never thought I've seen a lot of the world and there's obviously a lot more to see, but. But um, I think the thirty-year-old me would be like, "That's pretty cool, you know. You didn't, you didn't, you're not in, you were never in jail, and uh, <laughs> and you're and you're not like some sort of, you know, you know, douchebag, Hollywood douchebag. So that's right. that's, you know, that's cool. That's super cool. That's cool. I, I would think that hiking with a bunch of nudists in the Alps could get very cold, but I won't even broach that. That's you know, <laughs> it's it it's be. snowed, man. <laughs> <laughs> that seems. That just seems horrible. Uh, the, one of the funniest things about this book, too, is you know, on, a, on a, another topic is it, uh, the naked at lunch book. Is just it's just fascinating to hear people just kind of going through their days being totally nude and you know things swinging around and just it just seems it's just crazy. It's just it's just, it's just awesome. It's awesome <laughs> to read about because you you don't realize that there's a, that subset of the culture out there who just thinks it's totally normal and is totally down with it, which I think is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think it's awesome that people are are. Totally into that. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. They think it's weird that we wear clothes. Like, what is your problem? You know, right. we're, we're textiles, right? Right. Because we wear clothes. Right. 
you know, they're like, oh, you've got hangups, man. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Well, what's interesting about that book too, and I think, and you brought it out, was you, they talk or, or you're talking about how clothing can really be alienating. Like if you walk down the street and you see a policeman in a uniform or a fireman in a uniform or whatever, like you, you put an instant label on them based on what they're wearing. And we do it, you know, in other, other ways in society as well, based on people, what people are wearing. And when you're totally nude, you don't have those uh, uh, immediate stereotypes, right? Yeah. You just, yeah. Which is, that's really cool. Like I, when I read that part, I was like, wow, that's actually really, really, really interesting. Um, I was yeah. Just there, there, there's another thing that happens too. That's, that's to me is kind of, you know, meaningful in our present society is that, you know, we only see naked people when we see naked people in our lives, they're usually movie stars or models or actors or something, you know? Right. And, and so when you go to a nudist place and everyone sort of looks like you, no one is like working out with a trainer at eight hours a day or whatever. And they're all shapes and sizes and ages. You suddenly go like, oh, I'm just like everyone else. I'm not, you know, some sort of freak. And for a lot of people, that really is de-alienating because they accept themselves for who they are. And they don't have all these body issues that they've you know, had for so many years that trouble so many people and cause eating disorders and all that stuff. So it can be really profound for some people. Was, did you find that yourself when you did it? <laughs> no, not really. That's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Now, and, and so the 15 year old boy, uh, inner child in me ha- has got to ask this question. I mean, I know you see a lot of older people nude, but did you see anybody who was, you know, relatively good looking and fully nude? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, on the cruise there were, there was a, a small group of like 20 or 30 sort of, you know, people in their twenties and thirties who were actually quite fit and tattooed nice. and it looked really good. But when I was in, we were in that city in France, there is like, you know, from, you know, I don't want to sound like too much of a weirdo, but you know, teenage, you know, groups of teenage girls on their holiday break running around naked with teenage boys and people in their twenties and thirties and, you know, some really good looking people. Yeah. And Spain too. I mean, Europeans are just, you know, they don't seem to have the obesity problem that we have here in the States. So they're all actually pretty good looking. Yeah. That's cool. That's super cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They don't think that, uh, you know, we, we went to Europe, I don't know, 10 years ago, whatever. And I was, I was struck by like, I was like, Jesus, everybody here's like really good looking. Like this is yeah, most people in Paris and where, you know, where we were, I was like, most people here are good looking. And, you know, yeah. in our country, it's, it's so many people are just suffering from major obesity. You know, I guess it, yeah. is, what it is. Um, okay. So what, so switching topics here as a, as an author, what advice would you give to inspiring writers or inspiring creatives and, and not just, and again, not just writers, but anybody who's sort of in a different path to life. And so what I mean by that is like, so my daughter who's 10 loves filming movies and she loves writing and she loves, you know, sort of the creative arts. This is a child who will never be on a kid's soccer team, you know, couldn't care less about sports, unfortunately to my uh, major discontent <laughs> since I can't pay her to watch a football game with me. Um, but so like people like that and people who are going to be sort of outside the box a little bit in the world as they come up through high school, what advice, what advice would you give people like that? Yeah, I, I think that they, it, what the most important thing, kind of the key to being successful is to, to like we were talking about earlier, doing your own thing, but to the point that you develop your own voice and you become 
you you become the only person who can tell a story that way or shoot a movie that way or do a graphic design that way or paint that way and then you become like this kind of unique artist and and i think that that's when you can also reach a certain level of like financial success and stuff is is also because you've made yourself a valuable commodity by just doing stuff that you love the way you want to do it that's interesting so so really it's it's so your from your perspective you think that it's it does become va- it does become valuable and and can be financially valuable because you're the only one with that with that voice and you're the only person who can do it in the sense right. that like like Oprah as an example as a mainstream example like once she set her brand in place and kind of rolled with it there wasn't really anybody else who could who could do it right no that's a good example or like in the in book world like i think of like uh Haruki Murakami, the Japanese writer. I mean, he just does his own thing and he has for years and it took a while, but now he's like, you know, best-selling author around the world and, right. and nobody writes like him, you know? Um, so any, and it's even true for actors, you know, there's certain actors that just bring a certain thing. Like, you know, George Clooney brings a certain thing. Right. So, right. And you either, yeah. you know, you either have it or you don't. Right. Right. All right, cool. What I'm, any other final final thoughts for the listeners about leading an epic life or things along your journey? This is this is the most open ended question I will ask you. <laughs> I think you know there's a thing that I learned uh, I learned a few years ago that actually made a big difference. It's like you know when because a lot of times when you're in this sort of creative industries, you get really competitive with other people. Like you know someone a friend of yours is on the New York Times bestseller list, and you're like. Ugh. But, you know, I realized that, like, you know, really what you need to say is, like, how wonderful, because that's great for them. And then once you actually saying those words, like, you know, when, like, your friend at your at your work gets a promotion that you thought maybe you could get, instead of being sad or mad or whatever, you just say, how wonderful. And then all of a sudden you feel, like, just better. And it just makes you smile. And it just makes you realize that, you know, life is not about these kind of you know, strange markers, you know, life is about so much more. And, uh, and so, yeah, for me, that's, that would be my epic advice is just to like, you know, just appreciate everyone around you. And when something good happens to people, even if you're in competition with them, like just how wonderful, you know, the Patriots won. How wonderful. I hate the Patriots, but you know, but actually they, <laughs> that they might be your own, that might be your only fault. That's the <laughs> only thing I can see wrong with you. I know. <laughs> They're cheaters. Oh God! <laughs> Please don't kill my image of you. <laughs> I have to jump off a cliff. <laughs> no, believe me. If I wasn't from New England, I'd hate him too. You, you. I mean, if you're not from New England, you gotta hate him. I mean, Tom Brady is a gorgeous guy who's married to a supermodel who's won four rings. You know, Belichick is a you know as a you know not exactly the most interview friendly guy in the world. Like I get it why people don't like him. It's totally totally makes sense. Um, Okay, that's cool. That's that's really cool. So, so it sounds like you know you're saying, do your own thing, be genuinely happy when other people are successful around you, and then also really enjoy your life and appreciate this. You know, the every aspect of your life. And in, in a lot of ways, it sounds like you're saying really keep your eyes open and really experience the world around you. Is that something? And, and you know, I have a follow up question. To that is that something that you learned early on in your life, or is there a moment when you just had? kind of like an aha moment and it just you just kind of woke up to that 
Yeah, I, I didn't. I wish I had learned this earlier, but um, and you said it really. You articulated it really well. Um, yeah, it was something that I've maybe in the last. I want to say like in the last ten years, I've come to to this kind of understanding. And I did kind of have an aha moment where I was like, you know what? I'm not competing with everyone else in the world or every other writer in the world. I'm just doing my own thing. And it's not a race and it's not a popularity contest. It's just, you know, it's none of that. So I took, took the sort of competitiveness out of it and was Mm -hmm. just, and then suddenly you're just happy all the time. And you know, the work gets better. You're more secure in what you're doing. And, um, and it all, all kind of just grows organically from this place of just being kind of happy and grateful. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Okay. So where can our listeners find you? What's your website? What's your Twitter? What, uh, what are you most active on? Do you have any big um, events coming up? Well, there's a, some events on my website and that's markhaskellsmith.com. Okay. And I'll um, put this in the show notes for everyone listening. So, but yeah, go ahead. Um, and Twitter, it's just uh, at, you know, Incurtido, E-N-C-U-R-T-I-D-O. What does that mean? I meant to ask you that. <laughs> well, if you if you ate El Salvadoran food, you get like this pickled, it just means pickles yeah. or pickled, <laughs> but you get a pickled cabbage on the side and it's called Incurtido. And so I, 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 I don't know why I chose it. I just, I'm a moment of goofiness. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's awesome. Uh, that's great. Okay, so that's Twitter. Anyway, are you active anywhere else? You're on Facebook or anything else? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. It's just my name, and people are welcome to friend me and and uh, follow along. I mean, yeah, I mean you're you're super accessible. Like when we did the podcast, you know, we did a different podcast. Where we were talking. I was talking about your books, and you know, our social media manager tweeted out. I mean, you responded right away. And, I mean, you were you were super easy to get get to know and and converse with oh yeah i'm i'm you know i i have to say i don't i don't have a problem with too much fan mail okay so. good 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 good. that's good to know that's good to know and i'll put all this on the on the website and you've got a cup can you talk about some of the events you have coming up um i i know like uh, i think it's february 27th i'm going to be in uh at the san clemente library okay. uh, doing a thing there um i don't i I don't have a, they haven't put up a link yet. So I haven't put it on my uh, website. And, uh, and then I'll be in Orange County Library on April 2nd. What do you do uh, with these events? You just talk about your books or is there, is it like a I, Q&A? I think so. Yeah, there'll be a Q&A and stuff. I think uh, the one that's coming up in San Clemente, it's me and two other authors. And we just talk for a little bit about what, what we do. And then we take questions from the audience. And um, it's pretty casual and everyone's welcome. Um, I think it's a panel discussion, the other one. And then I'll be at the uh, L.A. Times Festival of Books at the USC campus. And I think that's the weekend of April 9th and 10th. Cool. Cool. Well, we're definitely going to I'll definitely we're definitely going to come up during uh, for at least one of those events. I had like I said before, like uh, I think in the intro before we started recording, I had no idea you lived in L.A. I mean, we go to LA yeah. on a pretty regular basis. I don't know what part you live in, but yeah, we're up there, you know, right. Reg- I would say frequently. I'd love to buy some fish tacos at some point. I'll meet you at some, in person at some point. Oh, there's a really good fish tacos near me too. Cause I, I live in Eagle rock, which is kind of oh, near yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pasadena Highland park kind of yeah. area. I ran the uh, LA marathon a couple of years ago and it kind of goes through Eagle rock. And, and luckily I'm so, I'm such a slow runner that I got to see a lot of Eagle rock because I was going. <laughs> so it was fantastic. 
unlike those Ethiopian dudes who run it in like two hours and don't get to see anything. Yeah, they don't get. They don't even smell the nah. fish tacos so fast. Yeah, those guys can't even bench press their weight. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Mark. It has been an honor. <laughs> uh, it's been just great having you here and talking to you. Um, you're awesome. We love you. I love you. I love what you write. And you just seem like a cool dude on top of everything else. You know, that's one of my biggest concerns is like if I'm, you know, talking to somebody who's, I, you know, there's very few people I think of as being heroes or being super inspirational and it, who are alive right now. And there's you, there's Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers, there's Michael Jordan and maybe a couple other people. And, and uh, my, one of my biggest concerns is like, Jesus, if I ever meet him, what happens if they're an asshole? Like what happens if they're <laughs> a complete prick? And, and you're not, you're awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate oh. it. Thanks for having me, and so it's been really it's a it's a pleasure, and it's it's interesting to think about what makes an epic life, and it's good to remind yourself to like you know to live that way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, thank you, and um, for all of you listening, you can check out the website at makelifeepic.com. I'll put the show notes from our interview with Mark on here as well, so you'll have all of his information on how you get in touch with him, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out the Make Life Epic podcast. Check us out online at makelifeepic.com. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Look forward to talking to you soon.